Warriors, Warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. Welcome to another edition of the RJ Ringside Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, joined with our MMA writer, Adam Hill, as well as our producer and former fighter, Larry Mir. And you can find us on ReviewJournal.com for all of your MMA news and updates on everything happening around the boxing world as well. So today we are going to bring you a couple of interviews that we were able to get last week at UFC 245. We caught up with a ton of the UFC stars, including Joanna Yonjacek, who will be returning to the cage this coming year against Welly Zhang. And then Derek Lewis as well, taking on Alir Latifi in 2020. So we'll have those interviews featured on this episode for you. Uh, We did recap UFC 245 live from the event on Saturday. But let's bring everybody up to speed again, just in case anybody missed that episode. We saw the featherweight belt change hands. And uh, Larry, you had some pretty strong thoughts about why Max Holloway lost his title. Um, Can you remind me of what it was that you thought led to the destruction of Max Holloway and the featherweight title? Well, a couple of days before Max's fight, he came and visited us and we did an interview and somebody in this room touched his belt. Ooh, not me. <laughs> not me. I, I thought somebody I held swear, it. I could have swear somebody held that belt. Well, <laughs> I said at the time I didn't want to, and Did he was dropping it, and I was like, I don't well, think I'm play. supposed to be holding oh, yeah. this. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, but I don't think. I don't. It's also it doesn't impact because I I've lost sleep over this, Adam. Well, you shouldn't. Um, it doesn't take the belt away from the person that touches it means i will never win the belt okay okay Fair I mean, you can't touch the belt until you've earned it or else you will never earn it yeah. so my chances of winning <laughs> are out the door which is sad because i did have aspirations to win a ufc belt one day it's not gonna happen now i still have um like mma like reporter fights and stuff like that this is a thing that's been ongoing for years and every like at the end of every year, they talk about who's going to fight who. And I still, I always say Scott Peterson's mine from MMA Weekly. I'm going to fight him. Why are, you, why, are you letting him, why are you letting him get publicity right now? <laughs> yeah. I, I would like to, if, if I was, uh, if I could be about 20, 30 pounds heavier, I would fight somebody with my last name. Oh, wow. Wow. all wow. right, all right. You only need 20 to 30 pounds? Yeah, dude, I'm kind of like a, 100, bro. No, man, I'm a, I'm a short, stocky little guy. So, uh, we have to create the MMA media um, fight belt. And then, Adam, if you had to go for the championship, who would it be against? Well, I mean, I I've got I like to pick easy opponents. I don't even know their <laughs> names. I just see them hanging around sometimes, and I'm like, yeah, I can beat that dude. But there's not a lot of them. There's not like there, it's a very few percentage. That's what that's what Adam was doing at the presser. He was like sizing people up. He that's was, all I ever do at press conferences. <laughs> yeah, I look around. I'm like, yeah, that guy. Sure, I can beat him. I can beat that guy. Uh, there was one guy this time who. It was maybe the most obnoxious press conference performance I've ever seen. I don't even I don't even know who the guy was. Uh, he like his questions were just like, "You were great tonight, bro." Like, all right, uh, I get it. You uh, won the fight. That's awkward. Yeah. That's that awkward. guy, that guy, I would definitely fight too. But there's not a lot of them because I, I, I'm just I'm picking easy opponents. I'm not going to fight anybody that can beat me. Everyone always wants me to fight Esther Lynn, and I'm like, no. <laughs> That's a good matchup. <laughs> that kind of good, uh, I think just like because of our size and height, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you too. You make sense. 
Yeah, it does. That's how you match people up. Oh, but like, it's like when Nate Diaz doesn't want to fight Gilbert Melendez. That's how I feel about that one. Let's get a hold of Dana and let's make this media fight <laughs> league happen. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of insurance liability there that nobody really <laughs> wants to touch. Uh, that's not going to happen. I know we saw, you know, we saw some injuries in the grappling tournament this weekend oh, uh, here in Vegas. Uh, I'm imagining there'll be some really horrific injuries, not from like not from somebody hurting somebody from fighting, but like just you know old and you know not doing anything, inactive. Injuries. I could just see a member of the media saying, okay, I'll join, but you can't punch me in the face. Well, just so <laughs> it's like uh, Anchorman rules <laughs> no touching of the hair no or the face. The just so people know, there was, you know, to go back behind the curtain a little bit in MMA media, which I'm sure people are very intrigued by, but there was at one point a uh, MMA media basketball game. Yes. That uh, no longer exists because there was a torn Achilles. Um, but there was, yeah, uh, I believe it was Mike Chiapetta. Uh, towards oh. Achilles oh. and was traveling like he was here he wouldn't he didn't live here he was here for covering the event and then had to fly home to get surgery and not cover the event and uh that was the end of the MMA media basketball game I was wondering what happened yeah. to that I remember you yeah. guys used to get everybody up for that and yeah it used to be Friday mornings before mm-hmm. well when before there was the no when yeah. there was no morning weigh-ins uh it'd be a nice uh nice Friday game down at the Tarkanian for those that are in Las Vegas and uh, are familiar and uh, that no longer happened. There, there's some good players in there. Errol Hawani, you know, I'm sure people are familiar with, is a, a pretty good basketball player. Uh, Brett Okamoto, pretty good as well. Like there were some good, some good games out there, but you can't do those anymore. If I played, it would have been like, ah, throw me the rock at him. I'm open. <laughs> why, why are you changing your own voice to do your own impression? That was weird. You just know. do an impression yeah, just of yourself. yourself uh, just... I don't know. It just came out of you know. Just it, it just drove through me. <laughs> New voice is my inner voice. It's my inner spirit. Interesting. Well, let's talk here about some of the fights. Uh, we already talked about Max Holloway and losing the belt there to Volkanovski. Uh, Volkanovski has some interesting. Um, challengers ahead for the future, I think, and quite possibly, um, you know, in, in this year we could see, uh, I think, early title defense against Max Holloway, though, um, as his first opponent, because it seemed like after that that Dana was kind of adamant about putting together the rematch for this, and I think rightfully so. I think Max Holloway is a guy that has earned the right for an immediate rematch, and the fight, uh, for what it's worth, uh, I, I saw some close scorecards. Uh, I saw a couple of people have Max for a couple rounds. So I, I think that it's a possibility that this fight could be even closer as, as they match up a second time and he makes some adjustments in this fight. I think though he was just a little bit gun shy. Um, it's not the Max that we're used to seeing who is comfortable with his range that can just start going one, two, one, two and mixing up the combos. He was kind of waiting back and countering a lot when I think back on the fight. Um, Adam, do you think that Max would get that immediate rematch? I think if he wants it, I think that'll kind of be the determining factor if, if it happens or not. I think they'll, uh, give him the opportunity, uh, maybe even go fight in Australia, uh, make that, you know, a if you want to we want the rematch, go do it on his home turf. Uh, but I think we also have to make sure you give credit to, you know, to Volkanovsky for making Holloway gunshot, making him uh, not feel comfortable and find the range. And that was his strategy. He, he used the late kicks to slow him down uh, and to uh, keep him at a distance because as much as we, you know, look at it and you can easily just say, well, Holloway is taller. He wants to be on the outside. Holloway is a guy that wants to be on the inside, uh, strike at close range. He, his his arms are not very long, as he jokes about, uh, calling himself a T-Rex and everything else. Uh, but, you know, his, his arms just aren't that long. He, he prefers to be on the inside and doing his damage there. And Volkanovsky, 
though he was a shorter fighter, uh, has a, a reach advantage and wanted to be on the outside, and he was able to do that by controlling the distance, slowing him down with leg kicks and keeping him on the outside. Larry, do you think uh, that we see this one in, in Australia, like Adam was saying? Uh, I think so. I think um, it, it makes sense right now for them to redo the rematch. But I agree with Adam. Like Volkanovski, you got to give him a lot of credit also because he did do a great job of slowing him down with the leg kicks, and he brought the fight to Max. He didn't allow Max to come forward. He came forward on Max, and it, it was – I thought Volkanovski's only chance to win this fight was to get a hold of Max and get him up against the cage and kind of dirty box him and, you know, inside fight him. He nullified Max's stand-up. I mean, he made he he made Max's stand-up look bad. Like, he, it was uh, – I was very impressed with Volkanovski and those leg kicks, man. Uh, Max, I don't know how he was walking the next day, but, like, you know those things took a toll after the, those first couple rounds. I mean, it was it was definitely slowing him down. It was crazy. I was most impressed with seeing Volkanovski's rugby picture when he was some 100 pounds heavier going around Twitter <laughs> I think that night. we were all night. amazed My, by that that yeah. night. It's insane that he's now a 45er when you look at that photo. If you guys haven't seen it, go check that out on Twitter. Uh, we also saw two champs retain their titles. Amanda Nunes being the first in the women's bantamweight division. She retained her belt uh, over... Jermaine Duranami and I think uh, that Amanda just continues to solidify her legacy in this sport as being the best female to ever hold titles and uh, I, I think that what she's accomplished has been pretty amazing um, Jermaine I, I thought it would be kind of like what you were saying Larry a, a closer fight or she'd make it like one of those inside dirty boxing kind of fights to be able to win and you did see credit to her you know her Muay Thai and her boxing skills on display but it just wasn't enough for Amanda, who came with the wrestling game plan and uh, was able to hold her and control her in a lot of the rounds. For someone so tall and has such an advantage at length, I didn't feel Jermaine Dermaine used it at all. I think there was a couple times where she backed Amanda into the cage and she like extended out for a knee and that connected. I was like, oh, look, she's using her, you know, she's using her length. And I don't think she did it at all. And the one thing that threw me off so hardcore about Amanda and it was after the fight when she came into the presser and was talking about she just is learning how to do stand-up. I mean, she's been knocking everybody the, you know, everybody out. Yeah. So it's like you're just now learning stand-up. That's that's insane. That blew me away. Yeah, that's just, well, she's saying she learned, you know, six years she's been doing it. Which I thought that was her longer. base, though. I thought that was her uh, base. Yeah, she's she definitely has that, you know, that grappling base that she that she can go back on. It doesn't really uh, show it or need to show it. But I thought, you know, she needed to fall back on it because uh, I thought she was in trouble in the stand-up in the second round for sure. And she showed that, you know, that's why she is uh, as great a champion as she is because she can do it in many, many different ways. And uh, I know fans weren't very thrilled with it, but, you know, the fans aren't the ones that are winning and losing titles. The fans are just there to, to watch. And she kind of ignored that and just went through and got the win. All right, so let's get into Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington, some of the aftermath here. Uh, Kamaru Usman retains the welterweight title, finishing Colby Covington in the fifth round with punches. Um, Covington did fight with a broken jaw. We had different reports throughout, so let's just <laughs> clarify that now. Um, the UFC first said no, Dana said no, and then they came back and said yes, and then Brett Okamoto, who uh, was in part of that basketball uh, tournament, he said that yes, his source said that he could confirm that Colby did have a broken jaw. And then this hashtag started going around Twitter and MAGA jaw and all this and people saying you can't say credit to his toughness. And because, you know, he had a lot of um, comments that were just horrible leading up to this fight that he used to try to sell the fight. Um, Adam, what do you make of, of all of this kind of talk going around Twitter right now and what you've seen in the aftermath of the fight? First, on a on a real like, kind of a, a interesting side note, I guess, to, to me, I don't know. 
how much people care. But I think people like hearing like the the kind of behind the scenes stuff of uh, after after the fight, you know, all this stuff was going on, and they announced Dana White announced it was a broken jaw. Uh, everybody kind of you know reported that, and then they said um, they weren't sure and they were going to find out. So I was walking out of the press conference with Kamara Usman. Uh, after he had done his press conference, I had a couple more questions for him, and I I, I was able to walk because uh, I did not get the microphone during the press conference, which made Larry <laughs> laugh. I know I was uh, upset too. I was trying to look yeah. out for our guy here, but yeah. uh, no, yeah. but the, but they you know they're like, oh, we didn't we <laughs> that's our bad, whatever, not a big deal. But I was walking out with Kamara Usman. They're like, yeah, just walk with him back to the locker room. And as I'm walking back, Dana White comes like running toward the toward the press conference area. And he's like he's he's like almost out of breath, like running. He's like what? He's, he's like scrambling, and he stops and he looks at me and he's like, "Hey, just so you know, uh, Kobe Covington's jaw is not broken." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I know." And because I, I was in the middle of talking to Kamara Usman, and I was like so dismissive, like, "Yeah, I know." And he was like, "Wait, you know?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." They just they just told us. Yeah. And then he was like, "Oh, does everybody know?" And I was like, "Yeah, I got it. I got it." And like, I was like, <laughs> but it was like because I was just in the middle of this interview, and it was just so weird. And then the afterwards, the PR people were like. That was like the most dismissive I've ever seen. It. I was like, "Well, I was trying to do this interview over here," so I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> There's only Dana White. Yeah, I was like, "Whatever, I got this. I got this." He's like, "Okay, cool, cool." So then I, you know, I could, I kind of passed it on, uh, and made sure everybody else heard the same thing as well. But it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a kind of a back and forth as far as what exactly had happened, and then eventually, uh, when the after he went to the hospital and gotten everything examined, it was a non-displaced fracture in the mandible. I guess that's jaw, uh, the technical term. So it was broken. I don't think it's. It was not a severe, like you know, awful break. But I, I think if there's if there's degrees of breaking your jaw, which I don't think there's any good break of the jaw, uh, it, it might not have been the worst. But yeah, it's uh, certainly you know, it, it's it's awful to see injuries, and you know that even Kamar Usman said, "Hey, like I don't like the guy, but I don't I don't want to hurt him either. I pray for myself and my opponent's safety, and I know he didn't want to hurt him, but I know a lot of people." Uh, were satisfied with Colby Covington's jaw being broken. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into this next card in Las Vegas before we talk about the main event in Korea taking place this Saturday. Of course, the big card that will return to the T-Mobile Arena is the January 18th fight with Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone. Uh, I'm already trying to make sure that my credential is in because, as we know, Adam, for these, there's a ton of media. I mean, you want to talk about some behind-the-scenes media stuff. Our call time might be, let's say, 12 o'clock for a 1 o'clock event, but when it's Conor McGregor, you have to add three hours to that. Connor, Connor time. Wait, yeah, wait Connor. He's, he's fighting and not tweeting? Oh, no, I mean like showing up. So if the thing says call time for media is noon, you better be there at 9 a.m. or you're not going to get a spot on a podium to be able to yeah, put up your camera. And then get there at 3. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so it's, it's always a nice fun day. I'll bring you some lunch it's and snacks. Almost, it's almost always worth it though. I, yeah. I got I got into a weird, I, I was looking something up on YouTube yesterday about Connor, uh, just kind of doing some, some research about a month out as I uh, would get ready to cover this and I got like caught up into a just a an endless cycle of YouTube videos of Connor press conference moments, and I was just like, <laughs> "This guy is so good at he's not he's not as like perfect with everything he says as we kind of think he is." In our in our mind, you think of like every line is perfectly delivered and it's it's just smooth all the time. It's really not, but he's he has such a commanding presence of just taking over a stage and like understanding how to control like everything that's going on and nobody can compete with him. I, I all the press conferences I watched last night, nobody can come back at him. It's unbelievable. So I think that's, that's the thing I'm most looking forward to about Connor being back 
It's just him taking over a stage again. And the fight is the fight and whatever happens. But I'm much more excited about the the talking. I remember it kind of started, I think, the uh, back and forth that they've been showing in a clip when I was with Fox Sports between Cerrone and uh, Connor because I remember at the time there was some kind of beef going on with them um, for that big press conference that they had for uh, the next upcoming quarter of fights. And I had asked something along the lines of, now that you two have seen each other in person, was there any words exchanged? And Connor says, they all want to talk. And, you know, that uh, once you see him face to face, he has nothing to say. And then they just start around back and forth so i i i kind of take a little bit of pride in that that i I was like hey i asked that question (laughs) so it was like the one time i got a mic but (laughs) so uh, we'll we'll, we'll all be there um to cover this for you and we'll bring you updates as it gets closer with the rj ringside but first we promised you earlier in the show that we were going to hear from Derek lewis and yoana yunjaychak and first let's go ahead and hear from Derek lewis who's going to face alir latifi um adam it's crazy. I mean, Derek Lewis put up this uh, thing on Twitter today where he said something to the effect, I don't have it up in front of me, but he said something to the effect of like boxers want to talk about, you know, MMA fighters and, you know, that I can't knock him out. And then he puts up a clip of him just like unloading some serious punches on some guy. It looks like in a, a training session of some sort of sparring session. I mean, if that's how he's getting ready for a Lear Latifi, man, I'm a Lear Latifi. I'm scared. What do you, what did you think about I mean, Derek it didn't. Lu- it didn't look very uh, sharp. Yeah, and no, it was I, just I, winging. I don't think I'd be nervous if I was watching. I'd be like, why power. is that guy swinging so wildly in the gym? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure that there, I'm sure Alir TV is not uh, not overly concerned with what he saw there, but I'm sure he'd be concerned with the power once he feels it. Uh, that guy, you know, we, every there's no there's no mystery to what Derek Lewis is going to do in a fight. Like he's going to go in there and he's going to start swinging for the fences and, and come after people. And that's just what he's going to do. And he can be dangerous all the way to the last bell, as we've seen, even when he's getting dominated. So uh, not a whole lot of, uh, of mystery uh, to what he does, uh, but always, you know, always interesting to see him fight. And, and I'm sure he's very excited. In fact, we talked about it of, of kind of going home and fighting in front of a home crowd in Houston. Tips for Vegas for people that come out here. You're coming out. You're kind of a regular now. You've been here a few times. Like, what do you tell people to do? Um, really, if you're coming into Vegas, you have to bring baby powder, especially if your thighs rub together. That's the number one thing. You ain't got to have chapstick because the, the dry heat. But the, the winter, a little better. It's not too bad right now, right? This has got to be a good time to be here. Um, no, I still need uh, powder and chapstick, actually, right about now. Yeah. Um, so you have a fight coming up. It's probably a pretty special fight for you being where, you know, it will take place and everything. So just kind of uh, what, what is this experience like getting ready for this? Um, the experience has been great. Um, you know, especially my weight has been lowered like it ever been in a long time. And going into training camp with my weight is already low. So it's like I'm feeling real confident and comfortable and moving real well in the gym. So you're, you're going to be fighting at home, though? I mean, this is gonna be this is gonna be kind of different. Like, there's gonna be a lot of people coming around. Like, the whole building's gonna be cheering for you, but you're gonna have to probably deal with a lot of people. You know, people you didn't even know were your cousins asking for tickets and stuff like that. What's that, what's that gonna be like? That's a hundred percent. I already had to change my phone number because I'm getting aunts and uncles and cousins. They say they're my cousins, and so they had to explain to me, like all the way down from your cousin, from your grandpa's side, then next door neighbor, whatever you know. They trying to say that they came to me to get tickets. Have you been dealing with that for a while? I mean, you're, now that you're a celebrity and everything, like have you been dealing with that anyway? Is like that something you've had to deal with as a uh, as a famous fighter? I have, but it, it just got worse the last two weeks. 
what do you, when people have to deal with that, what is your advice to them? Like, what do you tell? How do you deal with that? How do you go through? Like, who is worthy of being an actual relative? Who's worthy of giving something to? How do you go through that process? Um, I really just change my number on everybody <laughs> and go through the list of the people I talked to recently. Then. I go ahead and try to help them out, but everyone else that I haven't talked to since I was a baby and allegedly that they was changing my diapers and stuff like that when I was a kid, I don't reach out to those people. That sounds like the worst part of being uh, a celebrity. What, what's the, kind of the best part? What's the nicest perks? Um, I guess the nicest part is I guess I get free food in some places that I go. That's about it. Now, okay, I'm going to ask you this. I, I have this sometimes, like very on a very minor level here in town, of like, oh hey, I like your show or I like what you write. Here's some dinner, but then it's very difficult because then like you have to decide how much you tip. Like you gotta, hey, I wanna I wanna throw this person a lot of money. I don't want to seem cheap, so it almost ends up being more expensive at that point. Have you had to deal with that? Um, I deal with it all the time, and my wife gets mad at me for not tipping because I'm I don't tip. Okay. You know, because I feel like I'm already paying for my service. Right. I, she gets real mad at me when I say that. And I feel like, I, no, no I, you really got to do a great job. He at least keep coming back three times, three or four times, asking me if I want a refill like, or something, or at least. Then if not, I'm not going to really tip you. All right, so for all the servers out there, special, we need special service. That's how that's how we get it done. All right, last last thing is uh, how do you feel you are, where do you feel you are in your career now as far as your development as a fighter, as a mixed martial artist? Like, how do you feel about your game? Um, I feel like I'm a new fighter, really, especially like fighting at a different weight and walking around at a different weight and taking care of my uh, my diet the way I was supposed to and training a lot more than what I have been in the past. So I think I'm heading in the right direction. I'm feeling great. Most important thing before we get you out of here, you are the best on social media. Who is the second best on social media and on post-fight interviews? Who do you say, okay, that person, they can, uh, they can kind of compete with me a little bit? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I really don't um, look at anyone. Uh, <clears throat> I really don't follow other fighters on social media, so I really don't know. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much, and uh, good luck in your fight. Thanks for the time. Thank you, sir. Okay, so Alir Latifi is on a pair of losses and coming up to the heavyweight division to face Derek Lewis, so we will bring you up to date on that as well as it gets closer. That bout scheduled to take place February 8th. Location and venue, I believe, are still yet to be determined. So we'll get you caught up once we know all the details here as well. Um, earlier on, we talked about the South Korea main event taking place this weekend between Frankie Edgar and the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jun. Uh, this is a fight that was supposed to happen sometime back, but um, it was uh, uh, Frankie Edgar who uh, had to pull out of that one that time. I think it was he had torn like a bicep in training. So, And Frankie is actually coming up to replace Brian Ortega who was originally scheduled to be in this fight, and Ortega has a knee injury. So Frankie Edgar taking on the Korean Zombie. I mean, <clears throat> as it plays out, this is a fight that I'm still looking forward to. Sometimes like the uh, main event falls apart in a fight card, and you're like, oh, man, I really wanted to see Ortega and the Korean Zombie. But this one is just as good. It's like Frankie Edgar, somebody who's always um, right at the top of 
the echelon of every division that he's been a part of. And uh, the featherweight contest here is one that I still think carries some heavy um, implications for the winner as far as getting themselves back up into the title mix or um, in the talks of the top five of this division. So this one uh, taking place on ESPN Plus um, from South Korea. Adam, when you look at this matchup between these two, um, I, I guess, who do you see as having a big advantage in the fight? You know, first I'm. I agree that it's a it's a great replacement. Um, it's a it's you know if you're going to go find somebody to step in uh, for this fight after you lost Ortega and and the Korean Zombie, you know, Frankie Edgar is about as good as you're going to do. And I think uh, certainly a very worthy opponent in there. And anytime he fights, you're going to be excited for it. But I, I think it is a big step down from what Ortega and Korean Zombie would have been. I th- there there was a lot of anticipation for that fight. I was very excited uh, to see how they kind of matched up. Um, and we don't get to see that, which uh, is unfortunate. You know, Korean Zombie comes into this fight as a short favorite, about a dollar seventy favorite uh, over Frankie Edgar, and I think that's probably about right. Uh, you know, Korean Zombie is is I think more of a finisher. Uh, he has more ways to uh, try to win this fight. Frankie Edgar certainly know about the wrestling and the pace and the uh, the striking output, everything that he could do. Uh, but it's it's very hard to to hurt the Zombie. And uh, I think it's, it's going to be I think it's going to be a long fight and one that uh, we're going to see how well Frankie Edgar was able to prepare for it on short notice. So he's always ready and he's always got great endurance and cardio. But I think it'll be tested here. Larry, what do you make of it? I mean, the zombie's coming off of a what a one minute knockout win off his last fight in the first round. He's got a lot of momentum coming up. I feel like this is kind of a make or break time for Frankie Edgar. Really doesn't have anything to really prove to anybody. Um, he's just trying to, you know, get himself back into that that title contention or that that top tier spot. Um, you know, this is dangerous for Frankie because if he loses, this either puts him back, you know, way back, or puts him back into, you know, Dana talking to him about him in the post presser about, hey, maybe this guy should retire soon, or you know. So there's a lot riding on the line for him, and uh, you know, I hope to I hope to see him well do well, but I, I think I see the Korean Zombie um, either knocking him out or outpointing him in this one. And because this one happens in South Korea and the ESPN Plus feed is doing it in what is, uh, I guess, earlier time in Korea uh, on Saturday morning, for us, it'll begin at 11 p.m. here on the Pacific Coast on Friday night. So make sure to check that out Friday night if you're on the Pacific Coast, 11 p.m. If you're on the East Coast, oof, feel free. It's like a 2 a.m. main card start. <laughs> it's like, you know, something you hope re-racks in the morning by the time you're up. Um, unless you're a night owl. Yeah, lots DBR. of night owls. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, Guilty. Right? You don't Uh, don't ever sleep. (laughs) Uh, So we also, on um, the last week when we were at UFC 245, we're able to catch up with Joanna Yonjacek. And and she's somebody who is always an intriguing personality to me. She always has uh, interesting takes on things. And one of her takes that I remember her saying when we were talking to her is that um, she doesn't think that Wally Jing is anywhere comparable to her when it comes to striking. Uh, Adam, what did you take away from our interview with Joanna? Um, I think certainly uh, her, you know, kind of being refocused a little bit and uh, seeing a new side. I think one of the things that we've seen is her really, you know, stepping up on social media and kind of changing how she uh, markets herself. And I think it's a, it's part of a new. Uh, just kind of focus on her career and, and building back up to to where she wants to be. I know she certainly wants to have a title again. Uh, that was kind of uh, her identity for a while, and and how she, uh, you know, certainly was, you know, 
comfortable and confident as in having that belt. And I think it's it's really, uh, her you know, kind of being refocused a little <clears throat> bit and uh, seeing a new side. I think one of the things that we've seen is her really you know stepping up on social media and kind of changing how she uh, markets herself. And I think it's a, it's part of a new uh, just kind of focus on her career and, and building back up to to where she wants to be. I know she certainly wants to have a title again. Uh, that was kind of uh, her identity for a while and, and how she, uh, you know, certainly was, you know, comfortable and confident as in having that belt. And I think it's, it's impacted her not having it anymore. So uh, it's her chance to get back there. And I think uh, we've seen a lot of kind of trash talk, a lot of back and forth uh, between them, but uh, she seemed to tone it down a little bit and just kind of be ready to, uh, to get out there and fight, even though it's it's a little bit away, it's down the road. But now that it's officially announced and we have, you know, a date to try to work toward, I think that there's there's more focus from her. It's not just this abstract like, hey, let's let's make this fight happen. It's happening now. The fight's going to come, and now uh, we're seeing kind of a different focus from her. Uh, so, first of all, in Vegas for the fights tonight, what uh, what is Vegas like for you when you're here? What are you doing, Vegas? Vegas, Vegas is home. Vegas is home. Uh, is the you know, UFC is from Vegas, and and so many great things uh, happens in Vegas. And I love this city. I spent six weeks here uh, during the Ultimate Fighter in 2016, and I love this city. You know, I have my spots I like to go to, uh, but it's it's my dream to fight at the Timo Bayer Arena. I faced Gadea at MGM Grand, and now it's time to fight uh, at the Timo Bayer Arena. It's happening very soon. We'll see I'm that very in, excited. We'll see that in March. Uh, yeah. But for right now, like, when are you Are you like an outdoor person in Vegas? Are you a gambler? Are you a dancer? What do you do? No, I, I'm just, you know, enjoy, enjoying myself. Uh, I had a few meetings with my uh, man, new management uh, with Balenji Group. I was to New York for three days. Uh, that's it. I, I, I was going to be part of the press conference, but uh, Willie was not here and other athletes, so it didn't happen. I just want to watch the fights and, you know, go home. So you're going to fight her here at T-Mobile Arena. What What is it about her? You guys have gotten into a little bit on social media and around. No, what, what I don't talk her? to her and, and I don't know what's going on. You, you never see me responding to, to these uh, internet uh, trolls. I call them internet trolls because uh, I'm a classy woman. And I if I do business, we sit to the table and when we do business, we talk business. You know, I don't I don't play uh, games. You know, I'm not a teenager. So if you want to do business, we sit and we talk business. And and this is what I'm doing. Like. You never, you, you never, you never see me responding to to, to to these people. You know, I know they they bring it up, they trying to, but no, I never do that. You know. How's the feeling been for you being back at strawweight? You went to flyweight for a while. I know Actually, the cuts. I felt, I felt so good. Like last fight week before the fight with Michelle Waterson was one of the easiest uh, fight weeks and weight cuts, and I felt so great. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy to be back to the strawweight division. I'm very happy that after the fight with uh, Valentina Shevchenko, I decided to have a longer break. I just, you know, refresh my body, my mind, my head, and it was very important to me. So I'm back. Have you been impressed by her? Uh, of course. I'm, I'm always impressed. Yeah, by the champs. You know, she's the champ and she made it to the league. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Sometimes people can say that someone was lucky, but, you know, to make it, prepare and make it, 
you know you 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 the, the goat somehow you know so she, she made it to the league she's definitely someone she's the champ and, and she's my next big challenge i'm very impressed and she's very dangerous so uh like every opponent like every fight i will take this very very serious and prepare myself to be the best on march the 7th She's got this 20 and 1 record. She hasn't lost since 2014. So when you look at that and see the compilation of wins, do you think there's any chance that like she could be at a point in her career she's overconfident and that plays to your advantage? You know, uh, she has only a few fights in the UFC. Most of my fights are uh, I had in the UFC, MMA fights I had in the UFC. So definitely I'm more experienced than her and I don't care. She can be 13 1, 14 1. I do not care. I always wanted to face the best. She's the best right now in the strawweight division. And let's rock and roll, baby. <laughs> How do you compare your style of striking to her style of striking? Because although I think you both have this You great- can compare these girls to me and I, I'm not going to compare myself to uh, to these people. We'll let you uh, get back out there and watch the fights. But uh, real quick, what what is it going to mean for you to have that belt back? It means a lot to me to get the title shot again, to get this chance. And and uh, I need to say thank you to the Dana White, to Sean Shelby, Mick, to the UFC and my, my, my managers, my Balenji group, and to the fans. And after I win the belt on March the 7th, it will... It will be everything, you know. I will summon my legacy, and this one victory will be bigger than all of my title defenses uh, from back in the day. That's you're, it. Uh, clearly, it's big. I'm clear, coming. Yeah, you're clearly living your best life. Go follow Thank her on social so media for sure. She's doing a great job yeah. up there as well. And in the cage, Joanna, we'll, uh, we'll see you here in March. Appreciate you. See you guys. Thanks. All right, that bout between Joanna and Welly Zhang taking place in March of 2020, and we'll make sure to bring you up to date on all of that as it gets closer. But that'll do it for us here on the RJ Ringside today. You can find us all on Twitter at Larry Mir, at Adam Hill LVRJ, and I am at Heidi Fang. And keep up with everything that we're doing on MMA coverage on ReviewJournal.com. Adam does a great job of putting up all of the latest happening there. So that'll do it for us, and we'll be back with you soon. Mm-hmm.